0: That's the prayer of our hearts, is it not? Be thou my vision. Good morning, church. Oh, that's much better. You're awake. Well, um, I'm going to try not to fall off. I got new glasses, and I'm just kind of weird, you know? (laughs) But. Hopefully, uh, somebody asked me, if you reduced the font of your notes yet? I used to run it at about 16 to 18. Yes, I needed glasses. But anyway, uh, if I do fall, don't worry. I'll be fine. I'll get back up and we'll just keep going. I, uh, this morning, um, would you just stand with me for just a moment? In just a second, we're going to read from God's Word. The scripture we're going to read this morning is probably one of the most difficult scriptures that we find in God's Word. It's one of the most challenging that we find. If I was to ask you this morning, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? We would have probably quite a few answers. What does it mean to be a follower? Well, a disciple is someone who follows in the teachings of a certain individual. So to be a disciple of Jesus means that I become a follower of Jesus and leaning in and learning how to live life as Jesus did. In fact, we find a scripture in 1 John that says, if we confess that we're in Christ, then we need to live as he lived. Is that a tall order this morning? It is in my heart. And as we think about the disciples that traveled with Jesus, they they were with Him, and they learned from Him, and they followed Him. And you and I are called to the very same thing. In our time together, I want to deal with a uh, Scripture that's probably not preached a whole lot. But I'm praying that Jesus will excite our hearts this morning for His Word. Amen? And so as I read here and you follow, whether it's on the screen or in your real Bible, I hope that what you're saying is, Jesus, I am listening. Will you say that with me right now out loud? Jesus, I am listening. My parents used to say that to me a lot. (laughs) Son, are you listening? Sure. Sure. You find our scripture in Luke chapter 14, let's go there, shall we? Luke chapter 14, I'll be reading out of the NIV, that's New International Version, not Nazarene International Version, just so you know. Now I don't know if you understand that the scriptures were not written with verses and chapters and little headings, I love our little headings, don't you? And if you find your heading in some of your Bibles, it will say the cost of discipleship. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Lord Jesus, this is your word for us today. So Lord, as we as we discover what it is that you're saying, I pray that you would meet every single person exactly where they are with the truth of your word. And Jesus, we, we do want to say again, we're listening. In thy name we pray. Amen. These are the very words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we just read, who's being (laughs) brutally honest. How many of you have ever been brutally honest? Like husbands, I mean, your wife comes to you and says, does this dress look good on me? How many of you are able to be brutally honest? Sometimes it's better just to be smart. But Jesus is being brutally honest with us, and, 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 and as I read this scripture, I believe that Jesus can't be any clearer. He gives us a blueprint, if you will, a clear understanding of what his expectations are of us who claim to be his disciples. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, which many of you are probably familiar with, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, spells out what he believes it means to follow Christ, Brother Bonhoeffer understood that following Jesus isn't always easy. And everybody said, Amen. He wanted to honestly communicate that message. And if you live into a life of discipleship that Jesus has called us to, there will be costs for such a life. In fact, Bonhoeffer paid with his life at the end of World War II. Why? Because of his commitment to Jesus Christ. In our scripture today, we find Jesus is being honest with us and and bluntly teaching us the costs involved if we're to live this life of discipleship by the way which he has called every single one of us to. And I have to say, his words about discipleship are a little daunting. In fact, they're a little uncomfortable to hear, are they not? In our reading, we find Jesus speaking. He says a large crowd was following him, and that's kind of how it is in in, in the Christian culture today. There's a lot of people that want to just kind of follow the crowd with Jesus, and he had that happening with him. And there were those that were in that crowd that were thinking, well, am I going to be a disciple? Am I going to follow this rabbi, this teacher Jesus turns around, and it says that he stopped and he communicated with them, as we read, the seriousness of discipleship. His words make it clear that following him, it's, it's not a cush job, a cush road, if you will. Throughout this chapter in Luke, in fact, if we were able to take the time to go back and read the entire chapter, we'll find that, that the stakes of following Jesus have kind of been rising all the way through this chapter, and it's becoming clear that it's just what is at stake when we say we want to be a follower. Jesus spells out the high cost of discipleship. For, let me, I was just thinking... What if you're inviting someone to be part of BCC? And this is what you say. Hey, why don't you come next week and check out our service? We'll tell you how hard it is to join our church. First, you've got to hate your family. Then you have to carry a cross like a condemned criminal. Along with that, we expect you to give up everything you've worked so hard to achieve. Now, if you do these things, you can call yourself a member. Now, let me ask you, that's a sure way to grow a church, right? Let's be honest, we're probably uncomfortable with what Jesus is saying here, but I I really want us to, to take just a moment to look at and understand what he is saying. First, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So should we all stand, face our moms and dads, and say, I hate you? Hmm. Now, most of us would kind of connect with Jesus' teachings on love and, and grace and forgiveness not not love and hate Jesus throughout his word challenges us to live radically different though but 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 Pastor Greg hates such a strong word and it seems contradictory to the understanding of Jesus that I have so I think we need to unpack that word just for just a second the word hate is is filled with emotion we would all agree. In this case, in the context of first century Middle Eastern culture, to to hate your family or, or your own self means this, that a person disconnects from everything that has defined them. In other words, no longer does my relationships define me or my family define me. Remember, it was Jesus who told us what? just the opposite right Jesus told us to love our neighbors as ourselves love our enemies to love our wives etc etc and if we're to love our neighbors our enemies and our wives then we must assume that what Jesus is referring to here in the Scripture this idea of hate as we know it verse 26 you can't you can't hate and love all at the same time and so if you do a little bit of digging into Original language, and by the way, that's that's why it's just super cool to, to understand the original language of Scripture because it says so, things so much differently than what we can do in the English language. But the English word hate is translated from the Greek word maseo. The Greek dictionary indicates that one of the translations, though, of the word maseo is this, to love less than. This translation of this Greek word meseo corresponds, I think, with the rest of the Bible and and who Jesus really is. Jesus is saying that we will never become his disciples unless we love our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our brothers, our sisters, and yes, even our own lives, less than we love him. When we first got married, it was a few years ago, Almost forty-three. Now that's a miracle, if you know me. <laughs> but I remember I used to talk about how much I loved my wife, and I would tell her I loved her, and and she would always come back with this, but never loved me more than Jesus. It's kind of kind of blew the whole like romantic thing out the water, you know. <laughs> always dragging Jesus into this thing. But, that, but understand, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you've got to love me more than anything else. In fact, you remember Peter? Right after he denied Christ, and he was out fishing again because he didn't have anything else to do because he had blown it as a disciple. He was a out as a disciple. And then Jesus fixed breakfast on the, on the shore. Remember that? And it was Peter who recognized it was Jesus, and he jumped into the water. Peter is so impulsive. I love him to death. He jumps in the water, he takes off a cross, and he goes to Jesus, and the whole time it's like, maybe I should just drown before I get there. And you remember what happened when he got to Jesus? Jesus asked him a question. Peter, do you love me? What was he saying? Peter, do you love me more than these And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's kind of using hyperbole to get across this seriousness of what it means to follow Jesus. And church, this morning, I need to tell you that following Jesus is a serious thing. We live in a culture that kind of just washes down and waters down what it really means to follow Jesus. And this morning, I just want to remind us what that is all about once a follower commits to Jesus, then my life, my, my time, my, my relationships, my possession, they're all viewed through a new lens in Jesus Christ. Even my family relationships pale in comparison with my relationship with God. Can I just tell you sometimes I struggle to live that way? Anybody else? I have 12 grandchildren. They're better than yours. No duh, come on. I have 12 grandchildren that I love dearly. Do anything you want to anybody else, but don't touch my grandkids. And I have to tell you, as as I hold my grandchildren in my lap and I hug them and I love them, sometimes I have to say, Jesus, am I loving you like this? Are you really here compared to everything else in my life? Jesus' words are really surprising, yes. And they're unsettling, but, but he's, not, he's not finished quite yet either. Because he goes from this idea of hate, and he continues, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me can't be my disciple. Now, this command, if you think of the original context that Jesus was speaking, this command had to hit his original listeners pretty hard. Because without a doubt, most of them, or at least some of them, had witnessed the public shame and humiliation of a condemned criminal that had to carry his cross through the city streets and to the place of crucifixion like Jesus himself would do in just a few days. But honestly, we hear so much about the cross and cross-bearing. I don't think we're able to always grasp what Jesus is saying here. In fact, the language of cross-bearing has kind of been diluted to just a necklace or a bracelet or something of that nature. Bearing a cross, can I tell you, bearing a cross doesn't have anything to do with my difficult life or the things. You hear people say it all the time, well, this is just my cross to bear. Bearing a cross has nothing to do with experiences like living with chronic illness or or, or painful physical conditions or or even trying relationships. Rather, it's what we do voluntarily because of our commitment to Jesus Christ. Cross-bearing requires deliberate sacrifice and the possibility of risk and ridicule in order to follow Jesus The commitment to be a disciple, it's not just a way of life. You understand, being a disciple isn't just a way of life. It is a commitment to Jesus. As his disciple, we follow and we learn just like his disciples did as they followed him. It's interesting here that the term for cost appears only one time in the New Testament. This word for cost only appears one time in the New Testament, and it's right here in Luke 14. When Jesus talks about the cross and the cost of discipleship, he gets down to what is really the reality of following him. The cost inevitably has to do with us giving something up what we sacrifice, what we deny, the choices that we make. Life is full of choices, right? You made a good choice when you decided, should I go to church today or not? And here you are. That's that's a good choice. Life's about counting the cost of many things and events and opportunities that compete for our attention. Maybe sporting events, family events, work events, and lists. It goes on and on and on. But to carry your cross is to carry the choices and the burdens and the realities of a life that is made by having an all-in commitment to bringing about the kingdom of God here and now. One theologian wrote, and I quote, Jesus isn't inviting meaningless sacrifice. He isn't inviting doormat discipleship or whiny Christians Rather, he's inviting us to a Christian faith that stands over and against all those things that are often presented to us as life by our culture. Rather, Jesus invites us to the kind of abundant life that is discovered only as you give yourself away. Folks, this idea of discipleship, it's not just about thinking about what we have to give up, but it's thinking and realizing what Jesus gives as we follow him the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaims is about life and love. He goes on to say the choices we make, the relationships we decide to pursue, the way we spend life that we're given. Others may find it puzzling, maybe even upsetting, especially those who we care the most about. But the question before us, as put so fiercely by Moses, is whether we will choose life or death. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is the difference of choosing life or death. Jesus goes on in our reading this morning, and he throws in two parables that really kind of emphasize the points that he was making. First, he describes building. I don't know how many builders we have here, but this process, it, it uses a form of cost analysis, if you will. And he says, a wise person estimates the cost. Do you understand that Jesus was telling this group of followers that were interested in being his disciples, he says, you got to count the cost, folks. He goes into this idea of, is it worth it? Can I complete it? In the same manner, there, there's this wise, if you will, person that calculates this king that calculates, okay, I've got 10,000, my enemy's got 20,000. Can I, can I make this thing happen? Is it worth it? Can I, can I win this war? Our purpose and our call as disciples is always played out in our daily lives by the choices that we make. Will I listen to Jesus? or Will I listen to the clamors of my own desires? The decision making process often requires an aspect of cost, if you will. Choosing life, a life that really matters, is very costly. So, what he's saying is to this group and to us is following me and being my disciple is costly, it's not going to be easy. Being a disciple of Jesus leads us into some very uncomfortable places at times. It's going to challenge some of the basic assumptions that we have about life. It's going to question those little pet projects that we have in our life. However, and this is the good part, we weigh our choices in the light of the gift of his love and his grace that he's given to us. And for those who hear this call of being a disciple, Jesus becomes the one to whom, you ready? To whom we submit. He becomes our ruler, our measuring tape. Jesus becomes our our true north. As he's speaking to the crowd, jesus is speaking to you and i you see we follow the one who loved this world so much that he went to the cross following jesus is not easy but his word is still the best news out there discipleship yes it's demanding discipleship it's delightful discipleship it is intentional It doesn't just happen how many scientists do we have in the crowd any scientists today no scientists whatsoever does anyone know what osmosis is good I personally have proven that osmosis is false back in college we did have electricity. I was studying my biology, which was a real treat. And I remember going to my biology professor, and he said, "Gebhardt, you're not doing well." I said, "Okay, what would it take to get this certain grade in the in my uh, in the class?" He goes, "You got to ace the final." I, took, I said, you're on, buddy. I took my book, which was the athic, thick I went to my room. I got it quiet. I took my book and opened it to the first chapter that I needed to study. I laid it on my head, and not one thing went into my brain. Osmosis does not work. Folks, Listen discipleship is not osmosis it's not something that just because I go to church just because I hang out with cool Christian people just because I go to a small group a community group discipleship is not osmosis discipleship is intentional now here's the rest of the story when I realized osmosis didn't work I studied I read and I ace the final. Folks, listen, listen, listen. When we are intentional about being a follower of Jesus, can I just tell you something? It works. It works. Being his disciple is all about His power and His strength in my life. All I have to do is be intentional about my pursuit of Him. Well, discipleship, if we would follow Jesus, we have to come with to Him with everything that we have. I uh, was reading Bonhoeffer. He said, The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments to this world. Am I willing to abandon this world's attachments? It is that dying of the old man which is the result of an encounter with God. Listen, if you encounter Jesus the way he intends the old man is going to die. As we embark upon discipleship, we you ready for here's this word. We surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins the cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God and happy life but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ when Christ calls a man you know this, this line from Dietrich when Christ calls a man or a woman he bids them to come and die the secret to discipleship is to die to myself and my desires now now I've been at this long enough that I realize we prefer preaching and teaching about God's grace and His covenant loyalty to us. But can I tell you, we can't neglect our covenant loyalty back to Him. Unfortunately, there's a gospel that's preached that says, go live as you desire. Jesus loves you. Well, part of that's true. Jesus does love us, but he calls us to a radical lifestyle of following him. I think of the story of the rich young ruler. You know that one, right? He came to Jesus and he asked him, What do I need to do to be your disciple? Here's one of these that were in the crowd. He's like, I want to be your disciple, Jesus. And he says, what do I got to do? Man, he wanted to do his checklist. Folks, listen, it's not a checklist. But Jesus entertained him. Jesus said, follow the commands. And I love his answer or his question back to Jesus. He says, you got to follow the commands. And what did he say? Which ones? It's kind of like the light church. You know what I'm saying? Home of the 7% tithe? Five commandments, you choose which five? Young man says, which ones? Jesus says, don't murder, check. Don't commit adultery, check. Don't steal, check. Don't give false testimony, check. Honor your father and mother, check. Love your neighbor as yourself, check. Young man said, I've done it all. But we know what, ha- what was next. You see, it wasn't really the issue of he was a good churchgoer or he studied the Bible or even followed the commands. Jesus tells the young ruler, he says, and by the way, he was rich. He says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then take up your cross and follow me. young man went away how sorrowfully why was he so sad because he wasn't willing he met he got all the other checks but he wasn't willing to give it all to follow Jesus and I realized this morning this is, a, this is a privilege to be asked to stand here. But I got to tell you, church, somewhere, somehow, if we're going to experience all that God has for us, we've got to come to the place where we don't tell Jesus, well, I'm good here, here, and here, but don't ask me this, this, or this. If we're going to be a follower, we're going to sell everything we have. We're going to surrender. Had a man come into my office one day. He said, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, I am so sick and tired of hearing you talk about surrender. And he said, let me tell you something. I don't surrender to anybody. But I love Jesus. Folks, listen. Real discipleship, i got to tell you. Real discipleship, take it from someone who in their own life has learned this, real discipleship is not a a halfway issue. I'll be a disciple in this way or that way, but don't ask for this because I just can't give that up. I just can't surrender to your lordship. Real discipleship is an all or nothing kind. It's not cheap. Some of you are sitting there going, but I thought we were talking about community with others and our community. Can I just tell you something? There is no community with each other, real community. There is no community with those that are outside of our church unless we first start with our community, with our God. That's where it begins. You can go do all kinds of neat and wonderful and things that people will pat you on the back. But if you haven't surrendered at all to Jesus, it's just stuff. You see, a disciple chooses daily to follow God. Paul put it this way. I, what? Die daily. Jesus chose the cross. But you know what? It led to an empty tomb. And Jesus invites you and I to do the same. You see, if we will love him more than anything else in our life, and if we'll take up our cross, guess what? The tomb is going to be empty when we get to the end, because He has promised everlasting life. As we come to the table of the Lord this morning, and we 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 hold the elements in our hand of. If we're not careful, it just becomes a practice. But when you hold the elements, I want you to realize that the juice that we'll hold is representative of the blood of Jesus that was spilt on the cross. His body that was nailed to the cross is the little piece of bread. It reminds us of what he's done. And Jesus has invited you and I to do the exact same thing. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to pick up your cross and follow him? This morning, I just wonder, can you take just a moment? Can you you think about your heart and your life right now? And you honestly say, I've surrendered everything to Jesus and his Lordship. I pray that you have. But if you're sitting there this morning, I have good news for you. You say, yeah, I haven't really been living that life of a disciple. You know why we talk about community groups? It's not because it's another activity that you need to be involved in. Folks, it's a way for us to come together in small groups and grow and be more like Jesus and hear him speak to us in our life. But if you're here this morning, and you say, yeah, Pastor Greg, I'm a little off course when it comes to really being his disciple. I mean, this morning, think about it. Could you simply walk away from everything in your life? Follow him. See, will Jesus ask me to walk away from my family, my wife, my children? No. He'll ask you to journey together. Could you walk in tomorrow morning and tell your boss, hey, I'm giving my 30 day notice because I believe that Jesus is calling me to something else? Can you give up the security that you think you've built when really it's just sand? There's no real security outside of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you something, when it all falls apart, what's the old song? When it's built on the rock, guess what happens? It stands. And it stands for you. So I want us to take just a moment just before we prepare to take the elements. And I just want you to spend some time doing what we said we would do at the beginning, and that's what, Jesus, I'm listening. Would you bow your heads with me? Just spend some time quietly with Jesus right there. I don't know if you feel like you would like to pray. The altars of this church are always available. But it's not the altar, but it's my heart.